Welcome to On The Line. I'm Joe Mullings, and today in studio, I've got... Giovanni Lorisella. Gio has been with me. How many years have we been together now? Over seven years now. Jesus. And dog years. That's a really long time. <laughs> right. Right. Almost half a century. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Seven times seven, 49, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah. But I think the first year, though, is just one year, and then after that, it's times seven, so you're actually 43. There we go. In recruiting doggy years. Either way, it feels like a long time. Yeah. In a good way. The best years of your life. That's right. I'm especially so proud and impressed with Gio and, and what he's done uh, in our business. And, and I thought it would be great to have Gio online with us today because we're a couple weeks out from London Valves. And uh, for those who don't know what London Valves is, Gio will share that with you. Gee, why don't you just, with our audience, what L London Valves is about? So PCR London Valves held every year in London with the interesting exception of 2015 when it was held in Berlin, but still a great show. Um, I, the heard the, I heard the Berlin show got bust, though. Yeah. There was not a lot of happy was, people about it. No, they weren't happy about it. The venue? venue was not even close to what it is in London. And actually, even though they changed the venue the past couple of years, which is all on the east side of London, still great. It used to be right in the dead center of uh, the heart of London, right across from Westminster Abbey. We missed that one. But we've actually, the good news about that is that we have actually grown, and that's why we can't go there anymore. The, the conference has gotten so big, and Heart Valves has been such a strong focus, and this entire conference is focused on the development of Heart Valves, which... We no longer are just in the days of aortic and mitral. We got a lot of tabby, well, durable tabby, and now even more so on the sexy side, tricuspid. So we're now covering all four valves. Pulmonary, smaller market, but still interesting. We got a lead player on that, developing some bioresorbable heart valves. And then we have, obviously, our tabby market, mitral, and now tricuspid. So we got a lot of players in there who focus solely on the heart valve space, and once a year we all get together underneath the roof and see where we are. Yeah, and I, and I love that you say we because you really are insinuated in that business. <clears throat> the, the history of it, so so the Mullings Group, our firm, but today's about careers, not so much about TMG. And we want to talk about careers in structural heart space for all of our friends out in the market. We got started, we're not a fair weather friend in this market. We got started in structural heart almost a decade ago um, when we staffed Mitraline. And that was a mitral repair technology. And, you know, going through the, going through the sort of the years, G, wh what have you seen as far as the evolution of that structural market? And maybe where were the hot areas in careers and take us through that? It's a very cool market because all valves have their own current status and Let's just focus on the obvious one real quick, which is the aortic tabby market. Um, you have your main players, Core Valve with Medtronic right now, Sapiens with Edwards. Realistically, it's a really solid, almost mature market at this point, mm -hmm. but we have some cool engineering coming up on that, and it's really derived from more of the clinical evidence, which we need more durable valves. So we're going into younger patients, and we need to start developing technologies that last longer than... 10 years. Because right. we used to go into the older population, right? It was 75, 85-year-old people. Well, that's the whole point of going transcatheter versus surgical, right? The patients can't withstand the surgery, so you develop a less invasive way of going about it through catheter. And now we're taking that TAVI approach and going into younger patients. So now we have 
to develop more durable valves. And that's cool for engineers in that field because now we have to play with tissues, we have to play with sizes, we have to play with materials. So on the engineering side, TAVI is still very hot, and let's see what the next generation gets developed. And that's Edwards primarily in that space, and Medtronic, right? Correct. Those yeah. two are the, the main pillars. I mean, right. we have some other ones that are up and coming. You have Yenna Valve that's currently in clinicals right now, back on the scene. We have a few others that are in the youthful space, whether it's Calibri based out of Colorado. And we have some other ones that are still developing some stuff. But mm -hmm. for the most part, sales and the maturity of the technology is really dominated by Medtronic and um, Edwards. Mm -hmm. And so on the engineering side, we'll see what happens with the durability. But that's the big sexy talk with aortic at this point. And Mike, is that materials primarily or redesign of the valve? It's the durability because the leaflets start failing after a while. Right. So are they, they're not changing the design as much material change? or So if I'm an engineer... Should I look at that? Am, a marketing guy, should I look at that? What uh, Engineers, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's an engineering challenge, right? Mm -hmm. You put in something and there's standards for heart valve development on testing on how many cycles you have to put them through. I'm not exactly sure on the exact number. Mm -hmm. I know it's like 4 million or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, there's some heavy testing loads that they have to test these valves on. And that's really predicated on how many years they expect someone to live. But when you put in a... Tavi valve into someone who's 50 years old, you know, they're not going to be having that valve for 10 years. They're going to have it 30, 40 years. Right. How do you divine, design and develop a valve that's going to last that long? Yeah. You know, after all those beats, the tissue starts wearing apart or falling apart, and that's what they need to really focus on from the engineering side. Got it. And then so after Tavi, then it moved into Mitral, right? Mitral. Yeah. I love it because it's now such a contentious field. <laughs> you have repair, you have replacement. And then over the years, it's been back and forth, and it's still the argument, what is it? Is it repair? Is it replacement? People were looking for this golden answer. Um, and now we're all walking the political line and saying that there's going to be someone for everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then the cooler part about Mitral is, even though we're past this new age of everything still coming, because it almost seemed like every month or every other month or at least something big would happen every six months within Mitral, um, we're almost at this maturity stage because it feels so overcrowded yeah. on the repair as well as the replacement side. I mean, summer 2015, three acquisitions and replacement. Following up last year, Levanova bought Kazon Interventional. Mm -hmm. We still have some other players out there. On the and then on the repair side, you know, you have Evalve, which was bought by Edwards, and it's really still the go-to, sure. the Mitra clip, right? Sure. It's, it's safe. It's not the best. Everyone knows it's not the best, right. but... It's safe and it kind of works. What kind of issues? I, I know the conversations that I've had with people um, because the mitral clip is there and because we can fix uh, 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 repair um, the the mitral. It's always been a bear to get clinicals on mitral, right? Because the patient needs mitral repair. Edwards has the clip on the market. There's a big battle. I know we always run into that in Europe for clinical trials, just trying to get patients for them. Yeah. Right? Is that still a pain in the neck? Oh yeah. I mean, the more innovation that happens, the more you need to test that in order to get it somewhat approved or re-engineered or whatever you need. And as long as there's something that kind of works and all these physicians and interventionalists and even surgeons for that matter have something that they feel somewhat comfortable. And they don't have to learn a new procedure because all of these are specialized procedures. Right. Right? All of them. Right. Yeah. So when you have a patient who you could fix or you can throw them into a science project with something up and coming. 
What are you going <laughs> to do? Not really a science project, right? But right. It is, right. But I mean, you know what it is. It's something that's new. They have to be in a, in a clinical right. trial. Let's try this out. Right. right. Exactly. So, I mean, I could have something that's going to have clinically proven it works. It's this and that. But Or you could have something that we're putting you in a clinical trial and we have somewhat of good early evidence, but let's see where it goes. Right. Right. And, and I also have heard the conversation of once you put the clip in, there's no U-turn. That's true. So right. that's the challenge with it. I mean, it's, it's something that's safe and effective to a certain extent, but once you do it, you can't put another interventional procedure right. in There's there. no more appliances. What right? happens in five, 10 years from now, you want to put a replacement valve in there because something that will come up on the market relatively soon and get approval and it's great evidence, but now you need to reduce something. Mm -hmm. You can't. Right. And, and most of the time in, in procedures, any medical procedure, they always try and stage it, right? right, least invasive first or, or, or least expensive first. And so there's been some argument over the years is, at least in the mitral side, there's gonna be a portfolio of solutions, yeah. right? Yeah. And from a career's perspective, mitral is still this enigma and it's, it's almost frustrating because there's so much white noise happening, particularly in this valve, and people get frustrated with it because now the market's over-educated go back three, five years, everyone wanted mitral on their resume. Right. It was the sexiest thing since right. ever. And now with the three acquisitions that happened in the summer of 2015, with some of the clinical failures, with some of the um, procedures or technologies that have come out that are just simply ununderstandable or not un easily understood on how they're gonna actually work, mm -hmm. the, the market's over-educated. And so from a careers perspective, as a headhunter, when I go out and approach another client and I get their team that they need to be building over in Europe or here in the US, and I go out to the market because they're demanding structural heart experience for this particular position, a lot of times at this point, 2018, you're getting, oh, another mitral plate. Right, right. We see that all the time, right? Oh, another mitral plate. <clears throat> Do you have anything in tricuspid, right? Because right. that's the new frontier. Correct. Right. But at the same time, that's the thing that's frustrating because even if you talk to the clinicians about it, it's still a wide open playing field. Yeah. If you look at what's been approved from a regulatory standpoint, what's even selling out there, eValve or the MitraClip is what is out there. That's mm -hmm. what we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a couple other things. You know, CardioBand was acquired by Edwards a couple of years ago. Um, that's out there. It's getting somewhat of traction. We have another couple acquisitions in the Mitral space, but nothing huge. No. And and so. You have all this white noise and white space to still grow a career within to get something over the line that could be successful, that could be the next mitra clip, plus even being better for patients. And because of all the white noise out there, that's what's, I guess, distracting. Yeah, and, and historically, medical devices always leaned on looking for the home run in a market, right? Correct. So whatever it is, and, and this has been the most fragmented market, I think, uh, that I've seen on devices and money spent, yeah. right? So, you know, the stent market that ended up being one winner, two winners, right? Uh, or any market, angioplasty market, any of these interventional markets have always had the winner. Yeah. And now it's become such a fragmented market, part of it because patient population, part of it because um, where in the continuum the disease state is, part of it because of um, it's such a specialized procedure and the clinicians are like, eh, I don't wanna, I don't know if I wanna learn that one or I can learn that one and then learn this one and then learn that one because that in itself is a hassle, Yeah. right? It's not a plug and play procedure that docs like, Yeah. right? So career-wise, you bring up a great point. Um, any specific advice, if I'm an engineer 
with three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, what should I think about? Not necessarily to make a decision, but what should I be thinking about? Think about the fact that don't get wrapped up in all this white noise of what you see on all these other technologies. And when you read the general papers of what's happening in the heart valve market, it says there's 50, 60 companies going after mitral. Well, when you read that, of course, you're not going to jump into it because then you're thinking about, well, you're not going to get anything over the line with all this competition. Think about it from a better perspective. Be the engineer who creates the next mitral clip mm -hmm. because there's all this ability out there and all of it's somewhat similar create something new get mm -hmm. in there and engineer something new novel mm -hmm. and different create something that's going to take it over the next line with a novel product that physicians are going to want don't get distracted by the fact that there's so much competition out there and even from a tricuspid perspective as well i mean it's it's the same thing and i would say the frustrating part the frustrating part is mitroclip is mitroclip it's working to a certain extent but I'm, I'm gonna make the statement, MitraClip is slowing down heart valve innovation. Mm -hmm. You go from having something that kind of works, right. safe and effective right. to a certain extent, mm -hmm. you have a mass amount of patients that it's now in, why would you go to all the other ones that are up and coming in development? There's been over 1.5 billion in acquisitions just in summer of 2015 alone in mitra, uh, mitral valve replacement. Are any of them in patients commercially? No. Mm. So. Then you have, fast forward, you go take the mitral clip and you switch it over to the right side of the heart, and that's now in tricuspid. It's going to do the same thing in tricuspid. So Has the market learned, though? So in other words, we jumped into mitral clip, right? Because, and again, I, I don't know the history there and what was there earlier on repair, um, but now tricuspid is, is a more educated market, as you pointed out earlier, and people are saying, yeah, but on technologies, and I also think that we have finally come to the realization that structural heart is a platform, not a single solution. Totally. Right? So keep that. If you're an engineer, G brings up an interesting point. Just engineering things. Just do product development. Nobody gets penalized for, oh, you were at XYZ Valve Company. It didn't commercialize as an engineer. Yeah. That wasn't your fault. Yeah. Right? Um, maybe on the Clint side or the Reg side, you'll have to take a little more ownership or a CEO, certainly. But as an engineer, no. As a quality person, no. As a sort of clinical in the field, no. Because you're getting the domain and sort of the, um, you know how to work in that structural space and you understand the characteristics and potentially the limitations of the product. Yeah. Right? And going back to careers again, <clears throat> regulatory affairs individuals. Yeah. So much room to grow. Take it on. Oh, boy. Yeah. Nothing. No matter what. Just take it. Take it on. Take it. It's not over the line. You have so much work to be able to work with, whether it's the ever-changing notified bodies over in Europe right now with Especially all those changes. Now. Yep. Yep. The FDA, who hasn't had much wins on the structural heart side here in the States. Yep. Clinical. That's challenging mm -hmm. with all the patients that you have to be able to find. Mm -hmm. But then doesn't that put it on you to write a more interesting protocol? Yep. or be able to figure out something that you can get into the physician's hands to make it more feasible to get something over the line or identify a patient, something like that, right? I mean, it, it's out there. It's and you also get a pass, right? So everybody knows there's so many players in the field. Right. So you're getting a pass that that product didn't get over the line. And here's, again, coming back to, they are looking for the first thing the clients say is, we want people with experience in structural. Right. We don't care if it's aortic, mitral, tricuspid, we don't care but they have to understand what that neighborhood looks like, yep. 
right? So just, I would not be afraid of that. And two years in, two years in, two years in for three different gigs also does not bother you. Right. So usually you can't get away with that, but you can totally get away with that because of the climate. Yeah. Right. And there's also, I mean, even the discussions that have been ongoing right now, there's a lot of incubators coming up that are developing, developing multi-valve platforms. As an engineer, if you have an opportunity to jump in one of these incubators, 100%. or one of these companies who has a multi-valve platform, yeah. why wouldn't you take that yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Um, so also, we, we specialize in um, heart failure, and one of the things that's interesting is um, all this work in structural is graduating people to heart failure. Yes. <laughs> like it's loading the bus up. Right. Because we're allowing these people who would have passed, um, if not but for, on a, on a valve replacement or valve repair, now all they're doing is graduating to heart failure. So are you seeing anything out in the market right now, obviously out of the Edwards or the Medtronics or the Abbotts um, indexing towards heart failure at all by any means, uh, other than obviously the hardware acquisition, right? Which is a train wreck. Yeah. Um, but do you see anything, any of the companies making noises around that area from career perspectives? Absolutely. And there's a lot of heart valve I'm sorry, uh, heart failure companies that are up and coming. There's actually a lot going on in Europe right now too. Mm -hmm. um, but based on the volume of what's happening in heart valves right now and how that, to your point, is graduating people into heart failure, mm -hmm. it's gonna be interesting to see everything that's in heart failure today that we think is as a solution. Yeah. I would say it's almost before it's time, right? Because if you think about it, all these thousands and thousands of patients that have structural heart implants in them right now that will be graduating towards heart failure. Think 10, 20 years, yep. 30 years down the road. Yep. We're going to have to have solutions that are 10 times better than we have today on an electromechanical implant or whatever implant it may be that will take over the function of the heart. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that today. Mm -hmm. So heart failure as a wide open playing field for innovation mm -hmm. and technologically development. Mm -hmm. oh. There's still there's so much room, and so that's th this is your this is your beachfront property um, alert uh, on heart failure, right? Yeah. So if you're an investor, think about that, yeah. and also on the pharmaceutical side. So we are not a pharma um, facing uh, uh, sort of podcast, we're a device facing podcast, but on the drug side, the beta blockers, the ACE inhibitors, right? All those are going to continue to so buy those stocks. That doesn't help us on product development. But I think Gio's right. And then when you look at heart failure, also don't just look at the mechanical solution. Look at the diagnostic side of things, right? So there are some companies out there that have some very unique technologies that help diagnose. But if you have heart failure already, you are a prime candidate. I'm sorry. If you have a structural heart implant, you are a prime candidate for heart failure, and you're already on the map to be checked every year for heart function. Yep. So think that way as well with the imaging companies, the Philips and, and the Siemens and the others, what's happening there and how can you index your career towards maybe some superior imaging or uh, algorithm development or machine learning or AI. So we always recommend pull the string beyond the most obvious and think about that when you consider career moves. I fully agree. Yeah. So um, where are we going to go when we go to London Vows? What's the bars we're going to hit there? <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are near and far, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. 
we're going. Um, I know you usually stay. I, I stay. I stay closer to the city than you do because I have other meetings, and you're the rock star uh, at London Valves from a headhunter's perspective. You usually stay nearby, but I'm staying in London uh, with our agency crew, who's going to be following us um, in tow, catching and and, and sort of um, documenting all the trips. So watch for that from us as well. Any closing uh, comments, G, for careers in Structural Heart in particular you want to share with the audience? I would say if you were excited about taking a call from a headhunter on a Structural Heart play three, five, seven, 15 years ago, I'm sure it was exciting. But given where the field is today and what's over the line and certainly what's not over the line, it's even more exciting today based on all the educated opportunity that we actually have to make a difference on developing something that truly will change the actual field. Yeah, and giving evidence on that, I mean, gee, without giving names, how many different structural heart clients do we have right now on active searches going on right now? Just just as, just as, a, as, as a proxy. Conservatively, 12 to 13. Yeah, and different companies, different clients, right? Different companies. Different companies, right, right. And so, that's global. Yeah, and that's global, yeah, so. Well, this one, um, and if you didn't notice, if you're not watching us on YouTube, you'll see we have um, a lovely set of shoes on the uh, desk here. So I'll, I'll wait for you guys to chime in on the comments on LinkedIn on what the backstory is to those. So. <laughs> anyway, I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Giovanni Lorsella. This has been On The Line. Thanks for listening.